I'm Rabbi Amy. I'm Pastor Ken. I'm Imam Islam. This is Kippa, Kufi, and Color. Today, our guest is Burlington Mayor Mirol Weinberg. today is I'm skipping nine and going straight to ten. What was nine? Nine is do the right thing. Okay. And so I wanted to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, because um, it's trite. So the way of today is go beyond what others deserve. Mm. And the first thing I was wondering about that is that word deserve. What, yeah. is, what does it mean to deserve something? Like who deserves what? Who gets to decide who deserves what? What does deserve mean to you? Hmm. Hmm. Well, suppose you have somebody who's been unkind in an, in, in a, a relational way, and um, they may not even know they're being unkind because sometimes some people can be that way, and 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 so the question that comes in that interpersonal connection uh, that comes to the fore is how to respond to that person when they're when they're being difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the question of deserving comes in. When a person is not just, it's not a neutral interaction. Right. So that's, what do do you think, Islam? Oh, deserving could be something good to be deserved or something bad, right? Yeah, yeah, either way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you're asking about um, how do you, uh, find a person deserve something? Or? Yeah, like how do you, I, I, what does the word deserve mean to you? Like how do you hear that word? Uh, some people like deserve, uh, there are minimum things that people deserve, like for example, uh, you know, to uh, basic things in life, they deserve like, you know, food and drink and uh, shelter and also a free practice of their faith. And that's the minimum, you know, that anyone deserves. So, so that is. So, why does why does someone deserve those things? Because I mean, as a human, you have to you have to sustain yourself with, with some basic needs, and if they're not there, then probably there's something missing. The you, so everyone deserves it. Like when you say everyone deserves a free education, for example. Yeah. Everyone deserves a free health care, for example. That's what these are the promises that you hear before election. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Uh, but um, uh, so there are other there are basic needs that everyone deserves. On the other hand, some people may do, uh, you know, may go across the line and they may deserve, you know, the consequences of what they have done. Um, negative. Negative, yeah, right. neg- in a negative way. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it goes both both ways, yeah. Amy, what do you think are some things that everybody deserves? Um, I think everybody deserves to be judged fairly. Wow. Um, I think everybody deserves to be given... Um, a fair shot, not only at life, as you've said, Islam, with um, basic needs, but also um, uh, with a, a, a measure of respect for their humanity, that everybody deserves that just a priori. But after that, it can sometimes become murky because of the way people behave, and it may not feel like a person deserves respect. I remember a uh, high school 
teacher who was treating me by any objective measure, treating me very poorly. And I had another high school teacher that I really respected. I remember going to his house and saying, I just don't think I can respect this guy anymore. And he just stopped me. Like he was very kind and listening to me, but he just stopped me at that. He said, every human being deserves respect. Mm. Like you may do other things. There may be other ways that you have to approach this, but everybody gets respect just for being human. Yes. Go ahead. No, no, I was just approving what he said. Oh, yeah. you approve yeah. You're being he was, approving. He was smart, yeah. <laughs> There's a, um, a very important statement in the Torah, that you should love your fellow human being as yourself. And that sounds really lovely in yeah. religious language. But what the heck does that mean? Right. Love? Really? Right. right. And so our sages really break that down to behaviors that has to do with how we treat people with fairness and with a, a fair shot at whatever it is that we each have for ourselves. It doesn't mean you're going to love a person like emotionally, but you treat them um, as though they're God's children just as you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, King, King talks about that as well. Uh, he says that love is not... Uh, a sentimental, it's not a sentiment. Right. It's not some sentimental, gooey, good feeling about somebody when you're, you know, in our tradition, love your enemies is, is probably the single biggest ethic. And um doesn't mean we do that well all the time, but that's that's the centerpiece of our ethic. And, uh, uh, you know, as a Christian king was talking about that, saying love isn't just this sentimental thing. It, it's the willingness to do um, for the good of the other. That's right. It, it is to animate our basic humanity, which, unfortunately, all too often, we human beings fail to do. That's really powerful. Animate our basic humanity. Because I heard Islam saying that our humanity is what deserves respect, our needs to be met from, yes. our, from our humanity. Yes. But then you're saying... When we do that, that's respecting our own humanity. That's animating our own humanity. There's something really interesting about that. That's right. That our soul is engaged. And if we forget to do that, that's when we are nasty or unkind or selfish or haughty. So that leads to a problem I have with the word deserve, which is when I think about the word deserve, I think about a story on Planet Money, I think it was... um, he was basically listening to a, he he took a recorder into a, a a pub where there were a bunch of Wall Street uh, actually they weren't even executives these were Wall Street middle management sort of folks and this was in two thousand nine this was after they had just almost collapsed the economy talking about how they deserved their bonuses because they were the smartest people in America. I don't think that that qualifies as deserving. And that, that gets really confusing because we say, okay, does a doctor deserve more than I make? You know, probably. Like, the word deserve gets very tricky. Does a doctor deserve more than the people who take our trash? Well, you take either of those away from our society and we're in a, we're in a mess. And doctors right. spend more and have more education. And, that, you know, they have to take out loans and there are things like that. But the word deserve gets very complicated very quick when we start talking about what each of us deserves and trying to allocate that. Yeah. And, and it, uh, the, the troubles that we're having in our world right now are an indication of how badly we've managed this. We just haven't figured it out. So Islam, you got to solve this. 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I, looking to you. <laughs> when you, when you talk, when you mention doctors, um, they not necessarily deserve what they uh, what they have, but they probably have earned. They earned that. Uh, ah. That's the, through their work, and that's the that's the system. Um, that's the system on which the the world is based. You know, mm. they just have gone through a path that pays that much, and uh, and others have gone to a different path. Look, you know, like. Um, You could be, you know, you could be, uh, get, you know, making some money or at a special status or at a, at a certain level. Not necessarily that you deserve that, but you just you're there because that's what the, uh, that's what the, you know, that you that's what your ranking is getting. You know, that's right. what you that's what you are. And you use the word earn for that. That's yeah, really interesting. I think it's a much better earn word. And deserve. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm still back on the original question. Um, we've all seen or experienced in unpleasant ways how people who are angry people, people who don't control their negative emotions or who project them, can make our lives difficult for not just us, but for any individual. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And then what does it mean to say that they, reserve, they deserve respect? Uh, there, what, what is the level of respect? What's the behavior that is marking that respect? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like you can go there. Well, you know, that's one of the things I remind my congregation all the time, because churches have a real problem with this, is there's a difference between being kind and being nice. Yeah, there really is. You know, being nice is doing what the person wants you to do. But sometimes that's the worst thing you can do for somebody. If if I'm having a problem with opiate addiction and you give me some oxy, you're being nice. You're giving me exactly what I want you to give me, but you're not being very loving. Yeah, you're not being very kind. If you know that about me, right? That's not going to help me out. And those people, like you mentioned, that they're not necessarily deserve the respect. Those people who make their life harder for other people, they not necessarily deserve it. But this is just maybe you just respect them because that's who you are. Because that's what you. That's what it means to be a, a holy person. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could it could it could be like that too? You know, but that you respect it because that's that's what you are. I mean, that's that's part of who you are. To not necessarily they earn, they deserve your respect, but the, you you just this is the way you treat everyone. Not as you know, not necessarily they deserve it. Like I remember a story of of uh, of, of a famous imam of the Muslim tradition. He, he wasn't like a, a prophet or anything. He was just a, an average person, but he was an educated person. And they were traveling on a journey, and then a man came begging for some, you know, some money, and, and he asked for um, he asked for one like a, like what said let's say one dollar for an hour in our currency, and then he gave him ten. So his his uh, follower he said to him one one dollar would have been good for him. He said, but it would not have been good for me. You know, right. he just he just asked for something and give him more. It doesn't mean that he deserves it because I I don't give less than this in this situation. Uh, so basically, that some people may not they may not they may not deserve respect, but that's what that's how you treat them anyway. That's how that's how you treat everyone. But well, to use the language we're using now, uh, it's what I heard. One of the things that came across our mind as you were talking was this idea that you know whether somebody deserves respect or not, I deserve to treat them with respect. I deserve exactly. the right yes, to treat others with respect. Because yeah. be it's about you. It's not about them. Person. Yeah, that's whether it's right. holy or not, it's whole. That's right. Boy, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Treating everybody with respect um, involves risk because not everybody has earned it. But the deserving part, I think, has to do with uh, a recognition then that each one of us is created in the image of God and uh, uh, that's the best we can do. 
You know, like yeah. that's yeah. that's really where we we get forgetful. We forget that we're all human and and we all make mistakes and we're all created in the image of God. And when I affirm someone else's humanity when they're at their least respectful, I'm also affirming my humanity. That's the whole idea. It's very cool. Are we still recording? Yeah, we are. We are. So uh, we've actually covered most of the things that. Uh, well, I think that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to no. interrupt. I think that in the world that we're living in right now with such polarization and um, people yelling at each other and being uh, really mean towards each other and judging each other uh, because of our political views and how we are seeing the world right now, it's really hard to have uh, conversations across the divide. And I think this is this is one of the questions that gets raised by it, how can we try to do better at that mm-hmm. when it's really hard? That's that's where our own soul work is, mm-hmm. that each person deserves to be treated with respect, even if we think they're totally wrong and, and that their viewpoint is going to destroy the world. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, Islam, you, you, one of the things I really respect about you and your leadership is you, you hold together a group of folks that have very different cultural backgrounds, probably have significant different understandings of how to live out the, the common faith that y'all share. How do you create an environment of respect where people who have significant differences still tend to show respect toward one another's humanity? How do, how do you do that as a leader? This is a, one of the challenges of, you know, leading a congregation of different backgrounds. Yeah. But I just, uh, I always emphasize on, on uh, like we said, uh, by all means, you can practice the, your faith. And I'm talking about from, the, from an Islamic perspective. There are different ways of practicing uh, yeah. faith or the acts of worship, depending on the school of thought you're following. Right. And then I'm, I'm always telling them that it's okay to practice it the way you were raised to practice it, but always have to find out, or have to always have to realize that other people are practicing in a different way, and therefore your way isn't the only way. Mm-hmm. And try to, you know, at, at some point, in the, uh, deliberately, I try I tend to change the, you know, the, the the worships to a different, you know, different schools of thought that could do a variety of, oh, of really? practice. So that people, they know that there's different, something different could be done here, you know. So just to let them know that we have to respect others if they do something. Do not always assume that you're the only one who's right and the other one is wrong. No, there's a room for disagreement. There's a room for uh, being different, you know. That, so, That's really the essential tool right there. I think all of us can learn a lot about what Islam was just saying. Uh-huh. Um, it can be easy for us to think, we'll have peace when everybody agrees. And that's never going to happen. Right. Everybody's and and, and never if, you, going if it agree. happens, it's momentary. And, and it's probably they're agreeing on the wrong thing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's one of the things. Heinrich Gibson, uh, if everybody agrees on something, uh, that's probably wrong. But but you're starting from the point of nobody. We're never going to agree on on everything. No, so no, let's no. try to honor those different yes. places where we are. Yeah, the, and and I think that that's what this command of respect is asking us to do. We are very pleased and honored today to welcome 
Mayor Moreau Weinberger of Burlington to our podcast. And uh, he was interested in talking with us about the topic, doing the right thing. And we realized after thinking about it, this really is an interesting topic for us to take up. So here we go. We're going to start with a few questions and just see where it takes us. Excellent. It's, a, it's an honor to be with the three of you. Thank you for doing this together and shining a light on important conversations and how to how we all navigate our way together. Yeah, thank you. yeah, thank you. So we thought we'd start by asking you, what do you do to guide your decision-making? How do you figure out what is the right thing? Well, Rabbi, um, this is one of the great challenges of uh, public service and, and um, uh, serving an elected office. Um, and the fact that we all come to this question differently is one of the things that... Uh, uh, can both uh, make it hard to move ahead as a community and and probably something that strengthens us ultimately in the kind of mediation of this and that we all do answer that question a little differently. I, I'll say, you know, so for myself, um, uh, this um, comes, you know, I think in part from growing up a, a huge baseball fan and, and very focused on uh, as, as, teenage baseball fans often are on, on, on the numbers and, and the anal analytics. Uh, I, I um, often to me doing the right thing is uh, looking at the numbers, analyzing them and trying to come to some uh, empirical uh, uh, sense of what is, what is the best outcome. And, and that, uh, you know, can often be uh, the right outcome, but um, it's not just that. And um, sometimes that needs to uh, be weighed against um, uh, really ethical and moral considerations uh, that um, can be hard to kind of turn into to numbers. Um, and, you know, also a very, you know, any elected official is also very mindful of what they're hearing from their uh, constituents. And, um, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, some people, and some people basically stop the analysis there. If, uh, if there's a overwhelming, um, sense from the public, uh, that the public wants that our constituents or the public wants one thing, um, that can, uh, sometimes seem like that is the right thing. Um, yeah. I, my sense is you got to kind of balance all three of, of at least these three considerations and weigh them against each other to a certain degree. And that you're, uh, I've always felt I'm not really doing my job and that I was elected to do, uh, without looking at, at all three of those elements. So that's, that's really interesting. And I'm wondering how that works in, in your personal life. You know, the hardest decisions I've had to make don't have empirical evidence, you know, trying to figure out, in an interpersonal situation, what's the right thing to do here? How do you navigate these complicated, particularly where we don't have the data that we wish we had, you know, right. personally or otherwise? How you're, you're, you're right, Reverend, that uh, often the information is imperfect. There's, uh, there's certainly uncertainty plays a significant role. And, and uh, that, that, is one of the things that can keep you up late at night, right? I mean, it, it definitely weighs, uh, weighs on me um, when, when, when you have to make, uh, uh, you know, kind of sit through the, 
fog and, and, and make a choice despite imperfect information, despite competing values. You know, how, how do you do it? Um, I, I try not to be rushed. I try to take the time necessary mm-hmm. to, to make the decision, not be kind of boxed in by uh, artificial or sort of self-imposed deadlines. I try to um, seek the counsel of people both with, within government and, and outside of government. Um, and uh, to a certain degree, uh, I also um, try to hold on to the idea that sometimes the worst outcome is, not, is, is making no decision at all and, and that, uh, that, that, uh, that really leadership requires uh, an action to be taken. And if you, you know, if, if it turns out you don't get it uh, completely right, you know, in many cases, there are opportunities to mitigate that or alter in the future. And so not to be paralyzed uh, by it. Um, Mayor, I read one statement uh, uh, made by one of the world um, reputed uh, politicians. He says um, that taking the right decision at the wrong time is the wrong decision. Have you ever felt at a, either a personal level or professional level that doing the right thing may not be the right thing at, hmm. at a particular time? Hmm. What an interesting question, Mom. Uh, uh, certainly... Timing is a, is a critical, critical factor. You know, another uh, twist uh, kind of related to timing is as a public official, the, the way in which decisions and actions are communicated to the public and the way they, the kind of sequence of events um, can very much uh, impact how um, the decisions are, are understood and, and received and, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, timing adds a whole further level of uh, of a complication and, and, and challenge. Man, yeah, just uh, kind of <laughs> you know, uh, kicking around with you all is a, is a, is a reminder of how challenging these um, these moments can be. So, you know, I, I guess one thing that does keep me going and that makes it a little bit easier is just uh, um, sometime in the mayor's office, the, the decisions come at you so frequently and, and often that. Um, I stay focused on the future and just keep working. We don't, there's not a lot of time for reflection and, and kind of hand wringing over what you've got, gotten it right or wrong. And that, that's another element. It, certainly in the time we're living in now, part, part of doing the right thing is, 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 uh, is making decisions and moving forward. You know, I think that where we live in the world of congregations um, th- that each of the three of us can relate to how it can feel that way for us as well. Uh, so we get it. We sympathize. We're in it with you. And so I was thinking about um, a prominent Jewish mystical tradition that says that when God created the world, God had to pull God's self back. It's something that the mystics called simtsum, in order to allow for us all of creation to flourish and take our place. And so we use the language of tzimtzum, pulling back, pulling oneself back a lot uh, when, we, when we're thinking about these questions of, of community leadership relationship. Sometimes it's better to just be quiet, even when you feel like you know the answer and you want everybody to hear it, but the pulling back might actually be more effective. Mm-hmm. Has it ever worked for you that way? Yes, I, I I think that is an important principle, and and 
one that I uh, frequently encounter uh, in this job, um, which is that sometimes the mayor taking a very public um, high profile action can actually um, have a, a, you know, not an unintended consequence, actually work against the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. I, I, this often comes up when uh, Burlington wants a certain outcome in Montpelier. Uh, there's something about the dynamic between this largest city in the state and the state legislature where uh, the city advocating too strongly for something um, actually can uh, create opponents to it. Uh, there's uh, within city government, there's this challenging um, uh, principle that the school district is completely, a sense for all intents and purposes, a separate legal entity from the rest of municipal government. And uh, the mayor has no, virtually no formal authority with respect to school decisions. And yet um, you can't be the mayor of a community and not care about uh, the schools and not care about uh, the, the education that our children are getting, not care about the you know, broad financial implications of uh, the tax consequences of certain school decisions. And, and uh, so, and, you know, uh, and, and the public constituents expect the mayor to solve problems. And uh, even um, if, uh, and, that, and that expectation doesn't go away just because of the way that kind of formal authority is sliced up. So um, yeah, I think frequently the path to a good outcome uh, involves really being um, careful and using real discretion about the way the the way in which uh, the, I engage an issue. That the, certainly, the, any kind of public engagement needs to be carefully calibrated versus considerations like that. Um, sometimes I think it's even broader than that, and this uh, this too I find to be both an interesting and, and challenging element of the project. I often think there's almost an inverse relationship between. Uh, um, getting things done and um and sort of publicly uh, being very very visible and public about uh, uh about a position if you try too hard to kind of take credit for something that can actually uh can work against getting to a positive outcome and you know in public life when uh you're holding on to the job is all dependent on people thinking you're doing something valuable in the, in the office and actually making good on commitments and getting things done. That that's a, that's a real tension and challenge in this job as well. Yeah. Man, I, I, I am struck by how much of what you're saying, like I understand you're coming from a perspective of a mayor, which has a unique set of, of things going on, but how much of what you're saying connects to so many other aspects of life? Like, yeah, if I'm, you know, as a, every job I've ever been part of, I wanted to show value. You know, I wanted my, <laughs> my achievements to be understood because I want that job. Right. And, yeah. but, but I, what what's really gotten me is this idea of um, doing the right thing as a form of leadership. Like that's really neat when you think about it, you know, from day to day life, whether you're mayor or, or mom or, or, mom, you know, whatever it is, uh, doing the right thing as a form of leadership. Mm. And you talked about, you talked about those instances where you have to make a decision, but then what do you do when that decision is wrong? One of the hardest things in life is to come back and say, I was right to make a decision. I made the wrong decision, but here's where I think the right decision is now. Like how, how do you come to that 
how do you approach that situation personally? So, you know, I have had to do that a, a few times. It's, it's certainly something that the, the way our political system works and the way kind of accountability seems to work and our, our kind of media systems, it's, it's, a, it's maybe even the, the stakes of acknowledging um, uh, a change in posture, much less getting something wrong, have real consequences to them. And, and uh, no, I don't think anyone in, in public life uh, relishes those moments. I think vulnerability plays a role in that too. Be acknowledging yeah. leadership often is about vulnerability, acknowledging, uh, just putting yourself out there, taking responsibility for, uh, for the decision. Um, I think people often respond positively to that. Those are hard moments, aren't they? When you, I don't know about you, but I have these moments where I can't deny it anymore. It's like, maybe I made a wrong decision. Maybe I made a wrong decision. And then you get to that moment where it's like, Oh, I, 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 I was wrong. Yeah. That moment sucks for me. <laughs> it does, but having the humility to admit it out loud yeah. is really important in leadership. Yeah. You know, I, I, I take responsibility for this change of position. That, that takes a lot of humility that's so, so important. So thank you for that. Yeah. Mayor, what do you think is the biggest barrier to doing the right thing? Wow. Gosh. You know, I mean, it's certainly, I, I think it's hard to give one blanket answer to that because I think it really, the, the right thing as, and, and this is, a, you know, appreciate the chance to kind of work through all this with through you. It's a, you know, this isn't the kind of conversation I get to have all the time. Uh, the right thing is, is, is different in different situations. And that said, one that I feel comes up again and again in, uh, public life, uh, often an obstacle is what is perceived as the most uh, popular thing and what is desired by um, most of our shared constituents. Well, certainly I try to, you know, a big part of this job is listening, listening carefully to the public, trying to hear the wisdom in every public comment. Um, it is also too easy and really kind of lazy if you end the analysis there Be for, for a whole variety of reasons. I mean, first of all, it's really a hard certainly in our position in local government to know what is really the most popular thing. What do most of the constituents actually want? We don't have polling information on almost anything. Beyond that, often we are hearing from one subset of the community that for whatever reason is in good position, is able, is well-informed, has the resources to, to weigh in on a decision. Uh, whereas other uh, elements of the community you know, have, have been silent and it's often difficult to kind of know why. The, you know, another important part of it too is uh, I do think we have the privilege as representatives, as a, uh, elected officials who, certainly in the mayor's case, are actually getting paid to spend your full time on this and really get deep into, into these decisions. Sometimes uh, the understanding of an issue and the judgment you can bring to an issue, having spent that kind of invested that kind of time leads you to a different conclusion that a significant amount of the public is articulating. So, uh, you know, I, I, I am almost never satisfied with, we're just going to do it because this is what we've been hearing. I almost, I always think the right thing is, is just very frequently more complicated than that. Uh, but getting there um, when in the face of what appears to be, 
uh, public opposition or criticism can be very challenging. Mayor, thank you so much for being here. We really, I really enjoyed the, the time talking with you and learning from you. It's been great being with the three of you. Thanks again for doing this and, uh, and look forward to seeing you all again sometime soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.